one I genuinely liked. And perhaps most important at that particular moment, it meant I would spend most of February in Florida and not on the New Jersey Turnpike. Three weeks later, I made the trip down I-4 from Orlando to Tampa on a Saturday morning. There were no monsoons in sight. It was a glistening March day, and exhibition baseball had just begun. I knew that Cone would be finishing with his workout by 10 a.m. That's the way spring training is. If you aren't playing in a game, most days your work is over long before noon. I hadn't called Cone in advance, because there's never been a more approachable athlete than Cone, and I've always liked to spring ideas on people in person. I was actually talking to Roger Clemens, newly arrived as a Yankee, when Cone walked into the clubhouse, sweat-soaked from his workout. As usual, he was warm and friendly. "'What brings you to spring training in the middle of the NCAA basketball tournament?' he asked, shaking my hand. "'To be honest,' I said, "'I came to see you. Have you got a few minutes?' "'Let me take a shower,' he said. "'We'll go get breakfast.' Which we did, at a diner down the road that Cone said George Steinbrenner frequented. "'Never been here myself,' he said as we walked in, "'but I hear it's pretty good.' Inside, it was apparent that Steinbrenner hung out in the place because there were pictures of him all over. There was also one of Cone. Thanks for the great soup, it said. I thought you'd never been in here. I didn't think I had been, Cone said, laughing. We sat down, and over eggs and coffee, I laid out the idea. Boy, I think that would be a lot of fun, Cone said. There's only one potential problem. He explained to me that he had been friends almost since the beginning of his career with Roger Angel, the nonpareil baseball writer of The New Yorker. I always promised Roger that if I ever did a book, I'd give him first crack, he said. I really think I have to talk to him before I commit to you. I'd feel funny if I didn't. Part of me couldn't help thinking, great, I get the one baseball player in America not only literate enough to read Angel, but with a conscience, too. Another part of me thought I'd be okay. Angel had never actually written a baseball book, only collections of his New Yorker pieces. He was 79 at the time. I figured the chances that he'd want to take on such a project weren't all that great. I understand completely, I said, but I think there's a good chance he'll pass. In which case, I'm in, Cone said. I'll call you sometime in the next week. When I didn't hear anything for ten days, I began to get nervous. Don't worry about it, my friend, Dave Kindred counseled. Even really good guys like David Cone don't always call back when they say they're going to call back. I waited until after the final four before I finally got impatient enough to call Cone myself. As soon as I heard his voice, I knew the news wasn't good. "'Roger wants to do the book,' he said. "'I'm really sorry. I should have called you.' The lack of a phone call didn't bother me at that moment. The lack of a book did. Angel wrote the book as I had planned during the 2000 season. As it turned out, that was Cone's last year with the Yankees. I enjoyed reading the book, because if Angel wrote a book about paint drying, it would be enjoyable to read. But the fact that Cone pitched hurt for most of the season made Angel's task monumentally difficult, 
and the book, even though it got good reviews, sold only about 22,000 copies in hardcover, and far less than that, about 6,000 copies in paperback. Cohn's lost season clearly didn't help sales. I still thought my initial idea had a lot of merit, but it needed the right subject, or, I was now convinced, subjects. You can't chronicle an entire season in a pitcher's career if he only pitches half the season or less. I decided I needed two pitchers, so that if one got hurt, I could compare and contrast what a pitcher on the disabled list went through with one who was healthy in pitching. I came up with a short list of potential subjects, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Mike Mucina, John Smoltz, Al Leiter, and Kurt Schilling. Maddox and Glavin were, I believed, lock Hall of Famers. Smoltz was borderline, and Mucina and Schilling had a shot if they finished.